Romans chapter 5. Um, one of the things we've been learning and understanding as we go through this is that Paul has a theme that seems to run concurrent through this entire book, not just one chapter or one verse, but the entire book. He really is communicating something to the Gentiles in Rome that is still vitally important for all of us today. He is describing um, many times what we deserve, um, but then going on to tell us what we have received is different than what we deserve based on the cross. And so on Sunday, uh, the title of this message is God Had a Dream. This will be part two tonight. Uh, but Sunday, we, we, we learned in the beginning of Romans here, and I'm just going to touch on this for a moment if I can. Uh, in Romans 5, 1 and 2 in verse 2, it says, Jesus is God's grace embrace. Let me put it up there for you. I'm going to turn this thing on. Jesus is God's grace embrace of the entire human race. So here we are standing tall in the joyful bliss of our redeemed innocence. We are God's dream, dream come true. This was God's idea all along. And so as we begin to understand what the Lord is communicating here, one of the things I want you to understand is that God created you from a dream. You were the dream of God. So the very substance of who you were created to be is that of the dream of heaven. Now, one of the things I said on Sunday is you were not just created from a dream, but you were created for a dream. The very essence of who you are is you are a dreamer. When you dream, you're actually being true to who you are at the very substance of who you are. You were not just God's dream. You were his idea all along. You were his prized invention. You were the most important thing he ever created. He created the heavens and the earth, but he had to create man before he was willing to look at it and finally for the last time say, I'm finished. It is good. Mankind was the seal. Mankind was the final picture. Mankind was God's rest in that he had finally created what he really was looking to create after all. Everything else was the environment, was the beauty, was, the, was the, the place that he had prepared for us. But we are his crowning accomplishment and we are his dream. And so, come on, that's good, right? One person gets it tonight. The rest of them will get it by the end, all right? They'll get it, they'll get it. He said, they'll get it. We are his dream. We were created from a dream for a dream. And we were his idea all along. And God's investment into seeing you become who you've been created to be is much greater than you could ever invest in yourself. Amen. Come on. You can invest everything you have into seeing your dream come to pass and you wouldn't touch the investment that God has in you. I'm gonna go a step further than that, if it's okay tonight. He's more concerned with you seeing the dream inside of you come to pass than you are. Come on. Come on. That's, that's good. I don't know if anybody, because you're all looking at me like, is that good? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Is this a trick? Are you tricking me? No, I'm not tricking you, okay? I'm not, this is a good thing. The God who created the heavens and the earth, who spoke the stars into the sky, come on, who flung the moon and hung it in place, who took the sun and put it the right distance from the earth, is putting his resources, his time, his energy, his affection behind seeing you become who you've been called and created to be. Come on. 
that's exciting. He's working harder on you than you are on, your, are on yourself. It doesn't matter how hard you work on you, he's still working harder. Amen. You know what that means? You're not alone. You are not alone. I'm sure there's a Bob Dylan song that says that somewhere, okay? You are not, or it probably says you are alone if it's Bob Dylan, but you're not alone. You are literally, you are literally the masterpiece and the dream of Almighty God, and you are not alone. That's good news, right? It's okay. Ephesians 1.9 says, The secret is out. His cherished love dream now unfolds in front of our very eyes. Now, I was reading all these in the NASB on Sunday, so don't get nervous that I'm only reading the mirror. I'm doing this so we can get through it quickly. Um, the mirror Bible, I want to be very clear with you. I'll probably say this in other services. The mirror Bible should not be your main translation of the Bible. Does everybody hear me? What did I say? You should have a, a, more, uh, a more traditional um, text, so NIV, NASB, King James, New King James, whatever it may be. Have that text and then have the mirror. The mirror Bible is a study tool. It is an expository study tool. It, it basically expands on what you're reading in the original text. So that's why I almost always use some sort of more traditional text or, or, or version of the Bible and then move over to the mirror. Tonight, I'm not doing that for the stuff I'm redoing or going over from Sunday, but I will do that with the new stuff. Please, if you get the mirror Bible, don't throw your other Bibles away, all right? I want you to know what the original traditional text says because it will not contradict what the mirror Bible says. The mirror Bible will just paint a couple more colors for you to see the picture more clearly. Does that make sense? Come on, you got me? Sometimes with, with older translations, it's like having a pair of glasses on that's a little bit foggy. And the mirror has a really cool way of making it a lot clearer for you and I to understand. The picture in front of you is still the same, but it's going to give you some words and some colors um, that are going to help you better understand what you're looking at. Does that make sense? Yeah. But I still want you to have an original or, or more, not original, but a more traditional text if you're going to be studying this. Amen? Amen. Now, if anyone comes to me and says, I heard you've replaced the mirror Bible with everything else, I'm just going to throw my shoe at you, all right? No, I'm not a violent person, usually. All right. Okay, let's go, if we can. We're going to skip ahead to Romans chapter... Um, uh, no, let's look at this together. Uh, this, this is good stuff. Uh, let's go Romans 5.10, and we're going to read it here in the NASB. Where is it? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. In the mirror translation, it says this, and I'm going to jump on this into the rest of Romans 5. Our hostility and indifference towards God did not reduce his love for us. He saw equal value in us when we exchanged the life of his son for ours. Now that the act of reconciliation is complete, his life in us saves us from the guttermost to the utter most. I need you to see this. Yeah, that's cool, right? I need you to see this. Some of y'all were in the gutter. All right, just be real. You, your address was 100 gutter place, okay? <laughs> How do I know? Because we saw your mail. It was forwarded from there. We got it here at the church. We get it. We get it. It's cool. It doesn't matter if you were in the gutter or if you're in the penthouse suite of the Ritz-Carlton here tonight. God is the same and has done the same for you. 
Come, we, we are all equal. I was, I was talking to somebody uh, last week. Thank you for clapping, but I don't have time for your claps, all right? I got to move on. I was talking to somebody last week. We were talking about sin. We were talking about how there are certain scriptures that put sin in different categories, and there's, there's just different, different places, and they're almost like um, we were debating on is all sin the same, and there's some scriptures that classify it all under one thing, and there's some scriptures that kind of point to some sins being a little bit different than the other one, and we can debate that all day long, like that guy's sin is in this category, and my sin is in a much lower category category, right? And I was like, we could debate that and maybe that's true, but how many of you know the solution is the same? Come on. The prescription for your problem is the same. It is the blood of Jesus. It is what he did on the cross and it is enough whether you're in this category, that category, the super duper terrible category or the kind of mild you accidentally messed up category. The solution is the same. It's the blood of Jesus, right? And I believe what all it takes is one drop. <laughs> Come on. And so he did not reduce his love for us because you and I acted hostile in the way we lived our lives. When we sin and when we were out there and didn't understand who he was, we were literally acting indifferent and hostile towards who he was. And what I love about this is it didn't change it because of the original scriptures in verse 9 and 10 that we read in the NSB, it says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So even when we were in our mess and acting hostile and indifference towards God, he was still willing to make the ultimate sacrifice for you and I. How much more is he willing to do in your life and mine now that we've been redeemed? Come on. Why am I preaching this? Because I want you to be fully and absolutely convinced no matter what assessment you have of your own life, whether you think you're a dog or you think you're a champ, whether you think you're in the gutter or you're in the penthouse, whatever you believe about yourself tonight is irrelevant when it comes to who he says you are. And who he says you are is in Christ you are redeemed. You are innocent in him. Your sins have been forgiven and he wants to do the same thing with your life as he does with the millionaire down the road. Come on. Do you believe me? Yes. All right, good. Let's look at this together. Ephesians. Uh, no, we're going to go straight to the new part of Romans because I want to finish Romans tonight. Romans 5, we're going to go to verse 18. So then, this is good stuff right here. So then, as through one transgression, there resulted condemnation to all men. Even so, through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. Come on, just like their one sin resulted in the condemnation of all men, just like when Adam and Eve fell in the garden, it was that one moment that caused all of mankind to fall, just like that took one and it was applied to all, the act of righteousness by one resulted in justification of all. That's good news, right? For as through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, even so, through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. I want you to see that that one has a capital O, which means it ain't you. And it ain't me. We don't get the capital letters. It's him. It is the one, the Christ. It is the living Savior that he is the one that through the obedience of him, the one, many will be made righteous. How many of you believe tonight that your righteousness does not come from you? All right, let me ask another question. How many of you believe that your righteousness does come from you? Good. 
because I was fixing to point out some things about your life. I was going to say, Jesus, give me the spirit of discernment in this moment. I'd have been like, hey, that boss of yours, what did you say to him yesterday? How did you know? It's the wisdom of God, all right? All I'm going to do, if you were here on Sunday, you would know what I talked about on Sunday, but I was going to pull my dad's mode, my dad's trick, which was, hey, boy, I know you've been speeding around town. If you missed that, you're just going to have to go back and watch it, all right? The law came in so that, verse 20, so that the transgression would increase. Grace abounded all the more. Let's see what Daniel Milks texted me if it's important. I can't repeat that. All right. He said, this shirt makes me look like a role model prisoner. I'm going to reply back to you. What should I say back to him? My response was, you look like a role model prisoner from the women's jail. <laughs> that shirt on, all right? Back to my sermon, Lord have mercy. All right. The law, <laughs> the law came in so that the transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Come on, isn't that amazing? Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more then why are we so worked up when somebody's going down the bad path really fast? Because where their sin is increasing, grace is saying, huh, you think you've got something going over there? Watch this. Come on, that's something. Hey, let me say this right now. Let me tell you this right now. It's like, have you ever, um, you know, like when I was, my dad, when he um, got the prophetic word of the Lord, supposedly, that I was racing around town when I was 16 years old. That story from Sunday. I think back then I had just this sweet, sweet 1985 Mercury Cougar. No, no, that was, my original one was the Cougar. White Mercury Cougar. It was a white Mercury Cougar. The thing was sweet, so sweet that when I bought it, I had to actually set off a, a, a bug bomb on the inside of it to make all of the roaches scurry away. And I'm not going to call out whose vehicle it was because they, um, they used to attend our church and some of you will know who that vehicle belonged to. But it was so filled with roaches and bugs that I set off a bomb in it. And the reason I knew and it always stuck with me is that I looked at the, from that point forward, the liner at the top had a little circle where the bomb hit. It was like the nuclear plume. Of sh- I just, every time I would look, I'm sure it poisoned me over time, okay? And I'm this why I wear skinny jeans now. That's the problem. It was all because of that. It messed with my hormones or something, all right? But that's what happened. But I remember I was in that Mercury Cougar, and this thing was barely, barely a six-cylinder. All right, just, just move on. This thing was barely a six-cylinder. All right? I think it was like a, a 2.4 or something liter, six cylinder. This thing was barely a six cylinder, right? And it was already dogged out because the guy I bought it from dogged it out. But buddy, when I got side by side next to a light, 
and there's like a 5.0 Mustang or a Corvette or whatever. I was like, Vroom. but it, was, it wasn't like, Vroom. it was more like, <laughs> it was like an angry cat. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm coming for you. I want to show you this picture though. As funny as it is, I want to show you this picture. And there was times where, man, I hit the gas, you know, going down 301. I jumped out to a lead at about 30 miles an hour. I'm like, I think I can take it. And the guy looks at me like, I haven't started yet. <laughs> I haven't even begun. And all of a sudden, wow, and he just like left me in his dust, right? That's the way grace in our sin works. We think our sin is just so out of control and has done such a number on our lives. And the grace of God can outrun your sin so fast and leave it in the dust that you'd forget it ever happened. Now, that doesn't mean set a world record with your sin because the consequences here on the earth are no fun. But I'm telling you right now, the grace of God is so abounds so much more than your sin and mine. So if you're discounting yourself tonight because you think that you've done a really hefty job of putting in and sowing some bad seed, the grace of God is outrunning and overcoming and abounding beyond your sin and beyond your wildest imagination tonight. Come on, do you believe that? So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Grace is reigning and has the authority and is on the throne. And the righteousness of God is being released over humanity every moment and every second of the day. Grace is the only voice that comes from the heavens. Amen. Come on. If you turn your, tune your ear to heaven, the only note you're going to hear is grace. Because grace reigns supreme. Amen. There's no other voices. There's no other voices. If you hear another voice, it's not from heaven. If you hear the voice of shame, it's not from heaven. Come on. Shame will never produce something positive in your life. I'm going to preach a message on this soon when I get a break from Romans. I love Romans. I'm going to preach a message on this, but shame will never produce anything good in your life. It cannot produce something good. Well, shame motivated me one time to do this. No, it didn't. Shame will never, ever produce something positive in your life. If what you think God is trying to say sounds like shame, condemnation, uh, you know, fear, any of these things, it ain't coming from heaven. I know I'm saying ain't a lot tonight. You just have to excuse my grammar. It's not coming from heaven. Heaven's only frequency that reigns supreme is the frequency, the sound, the, the communication, the declaration of the grace and righteousness of God in Jesus. Amen. Let's read this in the mirror and freak out, okay? <laughs> the conclusion is clear. It took one offense to condemn mankind. Whoa, I just threw something out of here. Whoa. Wow, that was awesome. One act of righteousness declares the same mankind innocent. Verse 19. The disobedience of the one exhibits humanity as sinners, but the obedience of another exhibits humanity as righteousness. How many of you ever had a science project in school? That stupid foam board? 
Y'all know what I'm talking about? And trying to put enough information on there. Y'all didn't actually do it. Your parents did. And if you have kids, you did it for your kids. I don't think a science project has ever been completed by a child ever, okay? That's not how it works, right? Come on, let's be real. I'm not admitting to cheating for my child in school in church, okay? Pastor Dan, I'm not going to admit to that. We know already, all right? Just like your child exhibited that science project behind them and was so proud that this grass grew faster because it used natural fertilizer versus the control grass or the grass that, that got the chemical fertilizer, and they were so proud to show it off. That's literally the way God is with you and I. He's literally exhibiting humanity as righteous. He's walking you around, and he's saying, come here, guys, I want you to see this. You're never going to believe this. Look at this. It's righteous. I'm going to pick you, Izzy, because I was talking to you earlier, because you need to hear this. Come on. You're going to take a walk with me. This is God. This is a proud father in heaven going like this. Hey, this is what's happening. He's going like this. Hey, guys, come over here. Check this out. Righteous. I want you to come see righteous. Come on. I want you to come see righteous. And if anything, listen to me. This is what God is doing with you. He's walking you around, exhibiting you as righteous. And if you hear anything else, it's not coming from him. If somebody comes up and says, I know her. She's not righteous. It's the voice of the accuser. It is the voice of the enemy. And if you're the one saying that to somebody, do not partner with the voice of the accuser and the voice of the enemy. Because it's not, you're not acting on God's behalf, pointing out somebody's failures and mistakes. The Bible says that if you want to judge according to the law, you'll be judged according to the law. And you don't want to be judged according to the law. So you need to keep your mouth shut and start hearing and seeing things through the eyes of heaven. And so what God is doing is saying, hey, come check this out. She's righteous. Here's the picture of righteousness. One more trip. Here we go. Hey, everybody, I'd like to introduce you to my friend. Her name is Righteous. Her middle name is Righteous. Her last name is Righteous. Her title is Righteous. Her name is Righteous, 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 Righteous. And you're like, no, I know her. You don't know anything. This is my daughter. She's righteous because of my son. I know what she's done. She's righteous. She's righteous. She's righteous. I'll you 20 bucks, all right? Come on. That's what he's doing. He exhibits you as righteous. He doesn't parade you around as a sinner anymore. Come on. This is good preaching, Pastor Dan. The presence of the law made no difference. The presence of the law made no difference. Instead, it merely highlighted the offense. It literally was a mirror. The law was nothing but a mirror to show you what went wrong, where the offense is. But it has nothing, no power to actually fix what's wrong with you. All it does is point it out. It's a mirror. When I mow, which usually happens on my day off, which is Mondays, so if you text me or call me on my day off and I don't call back, I don't care. <laughs> it's Mondays, and I'm usually mowing, and I mow in the morning a lot of times. And so I mow, and I have a thing. When I mow, I mow with my shirt off because it's manly. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't do a lot of manly things. <laughs> So I'm excited and I'm manly and I'm out there mowing. And sometimes I just go over the same dirt pile just to stir up more dirt and dust. Yeah. When I go in, I want to look in the mirror and be like, you're a man. Yeah. You know how I see that I'm dirty? It's a mirror. And if it's dusty enough, I'm covered. If I had my eyeglasses on, you could see the rings where the grime was. And I'm like, zoom in on me. 
like you're a man. Yeah. I know most men don't have to reinforce that inside themselves, but I do, so just get over it. I'm like, you're a man, look how dirty you are. The only way that I know I'm dirty is that mirror, but the mirror doesn't clean it up. Come on. The mirror makes me aware of the dirt, that the residue of my life and my mistakes, but it has no power to actually cure or clean. It has no power to make me holy or pure or righteous or justified or sanctified. The law, the presence of the law means nothing in the ultimate effort to clean my act up. It's a mirror. It is the grace and finished work of the cross that actually gives you the power and has made you justified and righteous and pure and holy, and that is it. And it's the only voice coming from heaven. That's good, Dan. Come on. But where sin increased, grace superseded it. Come on. That word supersede seems to, I can't get into this because I'm running out of time, but that word supersede actually means that it came before. I'm going to mess with your theology just for a moment. How, do you, how many of you know that Jesus didn't invent grace? God didn't just come up with the idea of grace like minutes before Jesus rose from the dead. How many of you know that grace is something that's communicated from Genesis to Revelation? How many of you know before God formed the earth, he was a God of grace? Come on. He was a God of grace. Grace was around before man ever sinned. That'll blow your mind. Grace wasn't the remedy. Grace wasn't the fix. Grace was the original plan. And Jesus did nothing but reinstate the original design and the original plan for your life and mine. Grace superseded sin. Well, okay. All right, y'all looking at me like that. Verse 21, spiritual death provided sin its platform and power to reign. Now grace has taken over sovereignty through righteousness to introduce unthreatened life under the lordship of Jesus Christ over us. It says, it says that grace now reigns in the in New American Standard. I read that, that it's reigning. I love the way this puts it. Now grace has taken over sovereignty through righteousness to introduce unthreatened life under the lordship of Jesus Christ over us. I want you to see a picture of this. If there's like something like, I know that today there was a bomb, I think, that was delivered to the offices of the Clintons, I think, in New York City. And I want you to see this. The first people on the scene were probably, I'm guessing, probably the local police because they're the ones that get there the fastest. But let me... I guarantee one thing, that if, if the local police were the first ones that called and the Secret Service showed up or the FBI showed up, those local police, about all they're good for at that point is getting some coffee. That's right. <laughs> when the sovereignty is, when, when someone else has now become the sovereign ruler over something and is now in their jurisdiction, the other people have no decision, no voice. They don't sit there and say to the cop on the street, who do you think did this? They're like, hey, buddy, Starbucks, vanilla latte, two Splenda, get it now, right? Because there's someone else that has taken over the sovereign 
jurisdiction yeah. in that moment. And when grace took over the sovereign jurisdiction and began to reign, it became, became the voice once again in humanity and was reinstated to its original design. The original voice of God for humanity was grace. We messed it up. We gave it up. He comes back through his son, begins to communicate the message of grace, and grace now begins to rule and reign from the heavens to the earth and everything in between. And so when you read this, you have to understand that it says it has introduced unthreatened life under the lordship of Jesus Christ over us, which means that you can't threaten the grace of God in your life. Which means if you hear a theology that says you better stop messing with fire, boy, you're going to get burned. No, you cannot threaten the grace of God in your life. It is an unthreatened life provided for his son. The, the, you have to hear me out. The natural consequences for your decision to make a mistake in sin, you're going to deal with, and it's not fun. I'm never, ever, 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 listen to me, ever, 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 ever going to sit here and condone an act that would create a situation in your life that would cause these, these consequences to happen, ever. I would never say to you, go do these things. There's a reason that God gave us a plan and a path to live by because he knows how we're going to live our best possible design yeah. in life. Yeah. There is guidance in the word of God, not just the Old Testament and the New Testament that says, hey, listen, if you want to function and, and, and deal with the least amount of hardship and the least amount of consequences on the earth, this is how you live your life. Yeah. But the reality is, is that we are helpless at times to live that way. And in those moments of helplessness, when you and I make a mistake and we screw up, you cannot threaten the life that Jesus paid for for you, which means you cannot shift or affect that life. He's just waiting for you to realize that the voice, the sovereign power that reigns supreme over your life and over humanity is the voice of grace. Turn to your neighbor and say that was Romans 5. It's 828. I'm done, but I want you to hear that today. We are done Romans 5. We're going to be starting Romans 6, and we're going to make it all the way through the end of Romans. And you're all going to be Roman scholars. You're going to be like, we've read this in so many versions, in so many ways. Pastor Dan's preaching. You're just going to be going around like beast mode for Romans, all right? Can we pray together? Bow your heads. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for this amazing voice that you've communicated through this book that we're learning chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And so we ask that you bless your people, uh, those that are here, those that are watching online, those that are out of town watching us uh, tonight here. God, we just ask that your blessings, your favor, Lord, the glory of God goes with them wherever they are. Lord, as they go into their jobs, they go into the marketplace, they go uh, to conferences, to whatever it may be. Lord, I just thank you that you're gonna go with them, that you're gonna be with them by their side. God, that you're going to be the voice that they speak Lord, that they in their own lives will only hear one voice emanating and declaring uh, from heaven. That is the voice of grace, the voice of righteousness that reigns sovereignly, that has jurisdiction over our lives, over the earth. So God, thank you tonight for this encouraging, amazing, life-giving, air-breathing word that your spirit would be breathed inside of us like a mighty wind that our hearts would beat and jump for joy as we hear the truth of the goodness that you are and that we would live our life to the fullest knowing that you've called us and created us and destined us for great things that we really are your dream come true we are created from a dream for a dream allow us to live that out God 
allow our minds to no longer trip us up, allow shame to stop writing our story and realize that heaven is communicating one thing, it's grace and righteousness. Let us sink our teeth into that and live our life from that place, regardless of mistake, regardless of regrets. Let's move beyond that. We just thank you tonight in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. Amen. Slap someone on your way out and tell them we'll see you Sunday. Amen.